Welcome to the Swifterhood Podcast, a podcast all about Taylor Swift and her lyrical genius. Whether you've known since her debut album that she's had a place in this world, or her folklore has become your evermore recently, we're here to faithfully and wholeheartedly deconstruct each song lyric by lyric. Welcome. Welcome to episode 103. Today we are discussing the song 15 and one from the vault. We We were were happy. (laughs) Why did we do that? I just want to say it at the same time as you. Okay. I thought it'd be cute. Like the one time we did it before. It was cute. Okay. Okay. So fearless feature. This time it's my turn. Last time Morgan talked about her, um, passion area and this time i'm going to talk about mine which is lgbtqia plus rights and um i was thinking about what could i possibly give as an explanation for this other than all people deserve equal rights i don't really know what else to say about that like (sighs) i think i think it's fair to us I think it's safe to assume that most people that are listening to this podcast would probably feel similarly. You know, there's been a lot of legislation recently that is anti-trans um, in like Utah, for example. Um, hey, Kristen, if you're listening, <laughs> sorry about your crappy legislators um, who are trying to pass these basically like trans bans for kids in sports. Um, And I really don't understand why there's never, ever been an issue with there's not even been sports players who've been in these teams that they're like banning them from because I guess it's a certain division or something. Um, But it, it just that's the current thing that's happening, I would say. And we know Taylor cares about this a lot, too. Um, My deep personal connection is I am the faculty advisor for our gay-straight alliance at the school I work at. So the group that I've chosen to promote is the Trevor Project, and that's one because, in particular, one of my students is always talking about the Trevor Project and how much good they do. And if you haven't heard about them before, basically they're suicide prevention because the suicide rates are higher for anyone on the LGBT plus spectrum. Um, So... The Trevor Project, they have chat lines that you can reach out to if you feel you need someone to talk to, and they have a lot of good information on there and campaigns and that sort of thing. So check out the Trevor Project and donate if you have the means and are willing. Thanks, Erin. Moving on now to the main portion of our episode, which is deconstructing the lyrics of Taylor's song. And we are starting with the second song on the album, 15, Taylor's version. Yes, I'm so excited to talk about this. I feel like I say that every time, but this one, I didn't expect to have so much to say on the new version until it came out. Interesting. So once again, we're going back to the fact that I didn't listen to um, Fearless the way I should have when it was released in 2008. And I'm going to be real honest, even when I started listening to it more recently, this song was one that I skipped. Um, it didn't uh, it didn't hit me the same way. But I'm going to say now, since this has been released, I know it was only yesterday at this point, but um, since this has been released and since I've started listening to Fearless again, the song has surpassed all of my previous um, my previous thoughts and notions. Yeah, I, f- I feel the same way. It's rejuvenated. And I will say that the album was just released like yesterday for us, but for the future listeners, those of you who are in the future, woo it's It's late. Please <laughs> forgive her. <laughs> what? It's early in the morning. So... For me, the original connection to this song was pretty weak, and I feel like you would think it would be the opposite because I was 16 when Fearless came out, but I think I was not far enough removed from that age to be reflective on that age, if that makes sense. 
No, it makes complete sense. And I think that that was my issue with it, too. But I was like I said, I was 23 when this album came out. And even more recent, like as I would listen to it over the years, I was 24, 25, 26. And I still don't think I was, I still didn't think I was as removed as I needed to be to get this song, which makes it even more impressive that Taylor wrote this when she was 18. And was removed enough to hit these emotional points. Do you points. think she was or that she thought? I mean, that's quite a bit of perspective to have. It is. So do you think that it just it's it's outlived that? I think it's just better with her being older and with us being older. But it, but the lyrics haven't changed, you know? Right. Which implies that she had that same perspective at 18 when she wrote it, which is nuts. Right. Or maybe she was pretending to have that perspective back then. Yeah, I think it was like not a fully formed perspective. I don't know. I can't imagine that she really, really understood. It's just hard to like, I remember listening to the line about, you know, dating a boy on the football team and being like, oh, I would never go for someone who was a jock. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I was too immature to connect with it on a deep level. No, that's fair. I remember thinking the same thing. Once again, I was not in the same age. Um, I was far out of high school at that point in my mind. So, but I understood the premise in the sense that like, you know, the guys on the football team were the ones that were the popular ones and they were the ones that were hot and they were the ones that people wanted to date. Um, but it, it, it does, it's very surprising to me how much I love this song right now. Yeah, it's same here. So when I would listen to the original version, that twangy or like, it's not even just twang, it's also a readiness to her voice and the pitch of her voice, it actually bothered me to the point that it was kind of annoying. Okay. And I knew that it was a fan favorite and I wanted to give it its due and I felt like the lyrics were really solid. But even over the years, even connecting deeper with the lyrics, just having more perspective as an adult, I still was a little bit bothered by this song. So for me, getting Taylor's version essentially fix that with her voice being more mature and it is so much more sonically enjoyable for me i think that's a very good comparison to draw so what did you think about the lyric video well i just saw it because unlike you i'm i'm really bad at thinking oh i should watch the lyric video so it just doesn't even pass my mind but i will say that that's mostly because i listen to um these songs when i'm driving to and from work in my commute and when i get to work i'm usually doing work as opposed to what you're doing work at work on my computer um but i did love the lyric video it was so cool to see taylor's pictures like footage that we have never seen before of her and her youth and you know it's like looking at a yearbook and then you think back on your yearbook and marketing wise it's so smart because we're in a time period where there's a lot of reboots and um bringing back shows and bringing you know doing um, sequels to things and people love the nostalgia in the 90s and 2000s nostalgia so just as from a branding and marketing perspective it's really smart because we're watching these images and we're just feeling all the feelings about what that was like to be in the, that time period like the 2000s clothes that they had, were wearing like those little stretchy scarves and right all of that type of stuff, I think it's really smart. And that's another layer to it why you connect so deeply. It's like looking at a yearbook. You know, you're just brought back to that moment in time. If a yearbook could sing, that's the tagline for 15. There you go. <laughs> so lyrical breakdown. I'm excited about this one to get into it. You take a deep breath and you walk through the doors. It's the morning of your very first day. You say hi to your friends you ain't seen in a while. Try and stay out of everybody's way. I mean, that's definitely what you did on your first day of high school, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was terrified. Me too. But at the time when the song came out, I was, uh, I, th I guess I was a sophomore. I think I was a sophomore or maybe a junior. <laughs> I don't know. But um. I remember thinking like, oh, freshman year, like I'm way past that. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. But it is it is really fun to look 
think back of where I was as a freshman and that first day walking through the doors, like I have a very, very vivid picture of the doors that I walked through on that first day. Yeah, I do too. And I can remember first day of high school, my brother was a senior and I had to ask him where a classroom was that was down a random hallway through a set of doors that you would never know where to go. And I was asking people in the hallway, how do you get to this classroom? And they were telling me, it's on the roof with the pool, (laughs) which is such a clever joke. That's like the classic thing to say there's a pool on the roof and to trick people. And so I was really frustrated and finally saw my brother and he showed me where that class was. So that's my memory of the first day of high school. I mean, I think it's super telling that you had the strength to even ask people where that classroom was on your first day of high school. Fearless. No, I was definitely (laughs) really scared. It's your freshman year and you're going to be here for the next four years in this town. Hoping one of those senior boys will wink at you and say, you know, I haven't seen you around before. Yeah, you are hoping to be noticed by upperclassmen. That's a thing that I forgot about. Me too. But it's so true. Like, why Why the upperclassmen? Like, why They're did you- so cool. I guess, like, I, I guess I just don't, it's just so funny to think about because I know that that was a, a real feeling. But now looking back on it, you're like, why did you care if it was upperclassmen Also, it's kind of a big age difference at that point in time. Like if you're dating a senior and you're a freshman, it's a more noticeable gap in maturity than, you know, as an adult with a three, four year difference. I agree. Although I will say that as a freshman, I was probably a lot more mature than senior boys. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Uh, Okay, so the chorus, because when you're 15 and somebody tells you they love you, you're going to believe them. Well, wow, that right there. Duh. I mean, for sure. It's just the vulnerability. My gosh. When you're 15, you really just are so vulnerable and you don't care. You don't put up walls. At least I didn't. I was just all out there. I wore everything on my sleeves. People knew what I was feeling, knew what I was thinking, because... I didn't know how to um, shield people at that point in my life. And when you're 15, feeling like there's nothing to figure out, well, count to 10, take it in. This is life before you know who you're going to be 15. See, that I just did not connect with at that age because... Well, why would you? Yeah, feeling like there's nothing to figure out. I felt like I had everything in the world to figure out. Everything was so scary and complicated. And that's the thing that you just have to have perspective on. Well, but that's exactly what she's saying is that when you were 16, you feel like there was nothing to figure out. Like, you know, and I know that that's what you just said, but I I felt the opposite. I felt like I had everything to figure out when I was that age because I felt like high school was really scary and complicated. Oh, you're feeling you felt that you had everything to figure out. Yeah. Like I felt like life was really tough in high school. But looking back, it's like, no, there was not a lot to figure out. I, oh, see, I have a completely different feeling about that. I have a, com- I have the feeling that I, I was fifteen. I was a freshman in high school. I was old. I was a big deal. I knew what I was, who I was. I knew who I was going to be, and I didn't have to figure anything out. Interesting, and it it could just be related to like things that were going on in my life at that point in time with my family and stuff felt kind of complicated and that I think is an extra layer you know just dealing with all of that stress and like I ah. think it's the fact that Taylor and I are Sagittarius so we just felt the same way we understood each other <laughs> just have an innate bond we did <laughs> that's great I do love the well count to 10 take it in because how many times do you have to tell yourself well and you wish you could go back and appreciate those moments like I was just saying I felt like I had so much to figure out. But looking back, like, yeah, there was a lot of hard stuff. But just before you had to pay bills and I know your biggest worries were the tests that you're taking. And but they did feel like such big deals at the they time. They do. And it's I don't mean to reduce that because when you're living those emotions, they really feel that way. But you always have this perspective looking back on life like I wish I could have lived that moment more and I think that that I think 
I mean, we didn't do this in the on the last episode, but I think it's important for me to say that I really think that this is life before you know who you're going to be is my favorite line in this song because mm-hmm. like how how true like I just said, I thought I had figured everything out and I thought that I knew who I was, but now I'm looking back on it and I'm like, yeah, that was life before I knew who I was going to be. Exactly. Yeah. Like I knew I loved French and that I was going to study French, but I had no idea what I was going to do with that. I had like dreams of um, diplomacy and all of these other things. So you loved French back in high school? Oh, yeah. I fell in love with French in the seventh grade. That's amazing. I mean, I fell in love with Elle Woods when I was a junior in high school. So we could say that that was my path towards lawyering. Lawyering, I love that as a verb. But I definitely didn't know who I was at that point, even though I thought I knew who I was. Right, yeah. I had a lot of passions, but I didn't know what I was going to do with them. And, you know, just college changes everything. So the next verse is, you sit in class next to a redhead named Abigail, and soon enough, your best friends, laughing at the other girls who think they're so cool, will be out of here as soon as we can. Yeah, and that's... It feels very mean girls, like there's these little cliques, and that's all very high school. But that was high school. That was high school. I feel like my high school was less cliquish, but it could just be because I'm a floater and I was a little bit friends with everybody, you oh, know? Our high school was definitely cliquish. Um, and obviously, we we didn't sit down next to a redhead named Abigail, but you know Oh, everyone did. Yes, but not a redhead named Abigail. (laughs) No, we're all best friends with a redhead named Abigail. It's very relatable. But you did did make that friend in one of your classes that you weren't friends with before. At least I did. I made a friend that I'm specifically thinking about that I was not friends with prior to my freshman year. And we suddenly became best friends because we had the same outlook. And I do love that image imagery. Well, for me, it was my freshman year. Um, my best friend who I had known in in middle school, almost said college because college in French, but in middle school, um, and his name is Bryce. He's the one who passed away um, at the end of my senior year that I was talking about in the last episode. But he had red, super curly hair. And he was just in my class and I kind of knew who he was. And I just started sticking a pencil through his curls, which is crazy that I did that. Like I didn't know him. And that's how we became best friends. And would you say that that's who you are now? Sticking pencils in random people's hair? (laughs) I don't know. No, I hope not. (laughs) But it was a redhead. That's a weird coincidence. And then you're on your very first date, and he's got a car, and you feel like flying, and your mom is waiting up, and you're thinking he's the one, and you're dancing around your room when the night ends, when the night ends. Oh, such good imagery. That is how it feels. It is exactly how it feels. Except I don't know if my mom was waiting up. I think it was my dad that was waiting up. Yeah, and the f- the boy, the first boyfriend that I had who had a car was the one that I sing the song um tell me why for like that was my song for him and so i don't know that i was thinking he was the one but he had a car and i remember feeling like i was such an adult because he was picking me up when so i was i'm the oldest of of me and my sisters and so when my parents When I started hanging out with people that were able to drive my parents would make them come over and sit down for a family dinner before they were allowed to drive me somewhere. Oh, my gosh. It was horrendous. (laughs) That is really intense. So I will say that on my first date, I think about my first date, and my first date was definitely not someone that could drive at that point. I think we got driven by our parents. Mm -hmm, That was the thing. Or you'd say, like, um, we're I'm going to the movies with a friend or I'm going to skate with my friends and then other people would show up and meet you there. Right. And that's how you arranged a date. So I remember it being like, um, I do remember, though, the first date I went on where I was picked up in a vehicle. I just was not 15 when that happened. Yeah, I think I was a bit older. I was like 16 or 17 at least. But you do feel like you're flying and you do know that when you go on those dates, like your parents are definitely waiting up for you. And when it's good, you dance around your room. Mm-hmm. 
I did that. Yeah. I definitely did that. For sure. For <laughs> sure. And listen to songs like your uh, significant other person right. you're with has made you a CD, burned you a CD. I was still recording um, songs off of the radio on a tape. Oh. <laughs> Girl. Yeah, you're a little bit older. <laughs> um, but definitely dancing to them, them to them nonetheless. Um, so then you go back into the chorus, but it says, oh, no, it's the chorus, but it's a different chorus. When you're 15 and somebody tells you they love them, you're going to believe them. That's the same. And when you're 15 and your first kiss makes your head spin round. Which makes me think of fearless. And I don't know if that was the first kiss, but whatever. But in your life, you'll do things greater than dating the boy on the football team. But I didn't know it at 15. For me, I didn't relate to that lyric at the time. But now teaching at a high school where I've heard young people talking sometimes about how their main goal in life is like to meet this um, certain type of person. And I'm just thinking, man, that should not be your main goal. But I guess you're just so focused on love and relationships right now. You are. So did you do you feel like that you had those thoughts when you were 15 or did you never have those thoughts i know i did and that that's just me being like older and like being able to see the things that they're saying and being like oh oh brother like i hope you'll do things better than just who you meet and maybe you won't get married at all and that'd be fine too you know yeah it's it's just such a cycle isn't it because i remember being 15 and having i know my parents were like okay like this relationship that you're in is not the person you're going to be with this relationship you're in is not that big of a deal but i was like you just don't understand because when you are that age you just you really think that that is your entire life and that you're waiting for that person and I was one of those people that was like, well, why would I be dating someone that I didn't envision spending the rest of my life with? Same here. Yeah. I'm So I'm a serial monogamous relationship person. So my first boyfriend was from age 13 to 15. Wow. Two years. And we were like, we are going to get married. This is really intense. Like it was a whole saga. So 13 to 15. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. It was a lot. <laughs> It was a lot. So I think like I did relate to that. You you thought you were going to marry them someday. Like you really believe that. And you think that no matter what anyone else is saying to you, that you're not going to end up with this person that you actually know better. Yeah, for sure. Because no one knows what's going on between you and that person except for you and that person. I will say I have one friend who that worked out for. I know one person from high school that it worked out for too. And I remember telling her, this probably won't last. <laughs> Well, <laughs> and I was wrong. You were. So it can't happen. And then you go to the bridge when all you wanted was to be wanted, like we just said. That's my favorite lyric in this song. Okay. Because I feel like that just perfectly encapsulates high school. High school. Yeah, for sure. Wish you could go back and tell yourself what you know now. Back then, I swore I was going to marry him someday, but I realized some bigger dreams of mine. And Abigail gave everything she had to a boy who changed his mind, and we both cried. So, yeah, she gave him all of her money and everything that she owned, right, Morgan? <laughs> that's exactly what Taylor means here. Yeah, that's that's exactly what she meant. So this is the the major beef I have with the Taylor's version. Why? So in the original, when she sings that line... Um, we both cried. Her voice is so affected. Like she sounds like she is about to cry when she says it. It's like her emphasis on the word cried and it's held out for longer. And it sounds like her voice is cracking. And in the Taylor's version, I don't know if it's just because she's so far removed from that experience at that time or like, you know, it's basically the same and the whole song is way better. It's just for me, I lost that moment where I always tear up which is when she sounds like she's tearing up. And she just sings it as, we both cried, and it's kind of intense, but it's lacking that gut punch. I know exactly what you're talking about. And you're right. I hadn't I hadn't pinned that yet, but you're very right in the sense that in the first version, in the original version, um, she does have a lot more emotion behind it because it's obviously closer in time. Right. Um, 
you said I'm very right. So you I are. might just keep that as like a sound bite and play it on repeat sometimes. <laughs> it's like that that was easy button from Staples and you'll exactly. just have a button that says you're very right. <laughs> I I can't stand it, but I notice all the things I say now from editing these episodes and how many times I say right. Me too. I say perfect too much. Perfect. <laughs> So then we go on to the chorus again, and you just might find who you're supposed to be. Oh, let's, sorry, I skipped ahead a little bit. Because um, when you're 15, somebody tells them tells you they love you, you're going to believe them. And when you're 15, don't forget to look before you fall. I found time can heal most anything, and you just might find who you're supposed to be. I didn't know who I was supposed to be at 15. What are your thoughts? So she found time can heal most anything. It's been a couple years since whatever breakup or event that she's talking about. And she's just also speaking in general, I think, that time can heal anything. But still, to me, it seems like not enough time. Yeah, well, I think that this song, that's one of the main reasons why this song um, lasts long is because the more time that goes on, the more time you realize that you didn't know who you were supposed to be back then. Yeah, and the older you get, the more you realize that you, the less you know. Did that make any sense, what I just said? Yes. The more you realize you don't know as you get older. Right. And she does look like, I mean, don't forget to look before you fall. This this album has so many references to falling. Jump, then fall. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and... um. Drag me head first, fearless, like she's in falling in love, all of those things. Look before you fall, like cautioning. I do love the idea of if you could turn back time. If I could turn back time. I have some more vocals from <laughs> our lovely Aaron. I'm singing a lot on this episode. <laughs> um, but if you could turn back time and tell yourself a certain thing, would you do that, Morgan? Oh, definitely. Hands down. What would you go back in time and tell yourself? I don't know. That might be getting a little bit too personal, Erin. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> Danger zone. What would you go back and tell yourself? Um, I think I would go back and tell myself. Um, and I just recently was talking to my husband about this. And if we were talking about if you could go back and like, do you have any regrets? And I said, if I could turn back time, I think one thing that I would fix would just be I had a best friend um, who was also from high school who when our best friend, we hung out in a group of four constantly together. When he passed away, uh, our relationship went very badly because we were both processing it differently. And we were roommates in college and we were both grieving, but in very different ways. And she was, I found that she was like lying to me a lot and I got really hurt by it. And looking back, I would just say like, give it a little bit more time and approach it differently because now I can't find her. And I would love to contact her again, but I I think she's gotten married. Like, I don't know her last name. I can't find her on any social media. And that's sad to me, but we were both hurting so intensely. I just wish I could tell myself like, give it a minute's rest and then handle it differently. So that... So that line, I found time can heal most anything, really resonates with you. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just spiteful, but some <laughs> things I feel like I never really heal from. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I think it's a good line. I just, do you feel like you, I mean, breakups and stuff, yeah, but friendship hurts. So I think being spiteful, yes, you can still be spiteful, but I think that time can help you still heal most anything because even if you're not going to go back even if you're not going to forgive or even if you're not going to forget the longer time you have the less painful it is yeah and that's probably why that line changed when she's saying we both cried because she's just not feeling it as much right so then we go into post-chorus which is la 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 <laughs> you like it i do um your very first day take a deep breath girl Take a deep breath as you walk through the doors. So another full circle. Taylor loves her full circles. It's good advice. It is. I just love this song. I really do. And I, I really didn't expect to love this song as much as I do. Yeah, it's totally different for me with the re-release. And like I said, fixed a lot of the things that I didn't like. 
And it's just that one moment for me that's a little bit lost. But also, you know, I'm a little, I'm less connected to that. Like someone who lost their virginity to someone who like didn't care about them as much as they should have. And that's heartbreaking. Like that's also a farther removed experience for me. So maybe it's fine that that line is a little less of a punch, you know? Yeah, that's, I think that's a good way of looking at it. I mean, I feel like I'm not doing this song enough justice because I, every single time I listen to it, I have so many things that I'm, that are going around in my head. And I just, I have these flashbacks of just like, of being in high school. And it's crazy because who, who wants to go back to high school when you're an adult, you know, but you just, I look, I think back on how all consuming everything seemed back then. And I, I do just, it's just such a, I I can't express how how weird it makes me feel and how nostalgic it makes me feel every single time I listen to this song. All consuming is a really good way to put it. That's sort of what we were trying to express earlier with like, you do, for me, I did feel like everything was high stakes and I had a lot to figure out. Yeah. And I think maybe some of those feelings come back when I'm listening to it, if that makes sense. Like that, that all over all-consuming feeling of like feeling so much and not knowing how to handle it. I I don't know. Yeah. I'm expressing myself Feeling well. really, really deeply and, you know, like love is red as opposed to golden. Right. Like it's just the intensity of adolescent. It is. Adolescent emotions. Intensity is the right way to put it. So, so how would you rate it? I gave this one music sound seven, emotional connection eight because I bumped that up from where I connect more with it now as as an adult and then lyrical quality nine I just think it's packed full of wisdom so it it comes out to be an eight out of ten and I'm gonna give it eight out of ten la 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 <laughs> you just wanted to do that again yeah I like singing <laughs> that part so without saying much more because I feel like my my thoughts have been flushed out i'm giving this a 15 <gasps> oh scandaleux and i think that i'm just gonna leave it at that all right you're gonna give it a perfect 15 i will say did you notice the font on your lyrics is a little bit bigger than the rest of the font i did do you want to know what size font that is morgan did you make Unit? it a size 15 <laughs> <Take it laughs> under it's size 15 font you had yeah. to actually type in the number 15 then because there's only 14 to 16. I did. And the rest of the font sizes, guess what? What? 13? It also, <laughs> it also has to be typed in. Exactly. Obsessive. <laughs> but Taylor's made us like numerologists because she cares so much about numbers. I mean, to be fair, I listened to I listened to her songs on my drive at volume 13. <laughs> yeah. So don't call me obsessive. <laughs> That's how all of us Swifties are. So moving on into We Were Happy, which is the third from the Vault song from the Taylor's version of Fearless album. So we only got to first hear this when the full album was released. And my first impression was it was after Mr. Perfectly Fine. And I just love this song. The painful heartbreak of this song is in my wheelhouse like we referenced in a previous me um episodes it's just a ballad but it's not a ballad in the sense that it like you know a ballad sounds it's just one of taylor swift's like tear jerkers that just drives it home for me yeah and you also love aaron desner i do love everything he produces i do like aaron desner i mean he's great he's from the national and i love the national and I love sad songs. So that's what this is. It's a sad song, but it's such a real song and it just hits me so hard. And I just, I truly cannot believe that she wrote this when she was so young. I know. That's the thing that keeps striking me about all of these songs that we see and just re-looking at songs and realizing how mature and self-aware she was. And I think a lot of that has to come from being so connected to your emotions 
um, as an artist, you're constantly doing self-reflection to be able to figure out how to express yourself. And she's just gotten better and better at it. But she was very talented from the get-go. Yeah. And what do you think? Do you think this should have made the original Fearless album? Or do you think it's from a different genre? So this is really hard for me because it does not sound like a Fearless song at all. And I know it's produced by, um, and like a lot of work was done by Aaron Dessner, which side note, I think is why I like um, Mr. Perfectly Fine so much because Jack Antonoff, I love his stuff and 1989 so much and everything he does. But anyway, this doesn't really sound like a Fearless song at all to me. It sounds more like a, evermore song but like with a little bit more country to it you think so and maybe that's why i love it is because like you said previously i'm still living in the folklore evermore era that this just seems like a almost like an appetizer to that era right to keep you in it for a little bit longer yeah and she wrote it before then but because aaron Dessner produced it it does have that like evermore folklore mystical feeling it's a bit country, but I, I wouldn't say that it's – I'd say it's more folk than country. And I think that's, once again, probably due to the production of it. I don't know which album it should have been on, but it's it, hard to know because we don't know and you and I haven't listened to any other unreleased version of it. So we don't know what it would have sounded like if it would have been produced by someone else or been made at that time. Right. No, and that I think that's the hard part is like – it, but it should be on an album. And I'm so glad that it's on this album now. Like, right. if it had just stayed in the vault and this world never got to hear this song, I would have been very sad. Yeah, it does have that, like, I thought you had a good way of explaining, like, mystical sort of the intros, like, do 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 all those little notes. Like, it feels kind of magical, which I think is, in general, how folklore evermore sound to me. And I do also want to say I'm not ready to leave those eras yet. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'll ever be ready to leave those eras. I want to stay in those woods forever. Take me to the lakes and I will <laughs> die there. Like, that is her, oh, just, it's, it's hard to pick best albums, but it, that those are her best works. So what, what did, did you have any thoughts on the lyric video? No, I just was struck by the image of the circus tent. And I know she references a circus in the lyrics, but. It felt similar to the Coney Island visual, and I was wondering why and if it was just sort of recognition that she was working with, like, same people or, I don't know, I just thought it was a little strange, like a sad circus. Ooh, cowboy like me. Mm-hmm. She likes that image, I guess. Yeah, it is a good image. It's a powerful image. I mean, if you think what a what a circus actually is it's a bunch of misfits putting on a show and um i think that that's one of the things that she loves is just when people come together and all of their talents combine to make a great performance and her i think she's learned that it makes it better you know drawing more on other people's differences and bringing that out has made her work all the more rich and it's really cool that we get these vault, vault tracks because they are this vague, ambiguous type style, which I love the eras so much, but I also really love the Taylor songs that have a lot of nuance and complexity, and this one definitely does. So, I mean, just to bring it back, maybe she did know who she was supposed to be back then and just hadn't uncovered it yet. Yeah, and... I don't know. I don't have anything to say about that. Okay. So why don't we start with the lyrical breakdown? Um, for the first verse is, we used to walk along the street when the porch lights were shining bright before I had somewhere to be back when we had all night and we were happy. So I just love how this starts out because it's, once again, it's a visual image of two people walking down the street together, probably when it's dusk getting dark because the porch lights are on and you're in some sort of neighborhood or somewhere quiet um, where you can be alone together. And the thing that really sticks out to me is it's, it's definitely the beginning of your relationship because when she says before I had somewhere to be back in those beginning stages of any relationship, 
when you literally put everything else in your life on hold so you could spend as much time with that person. That's what she's saying is before I had anywhere else to be because she didn't have anywhere else to be because being with that person was the most important thing in her life at that moment. And that's when they were happy. Right. And it makes me wonder if it's reflecting back on like before she was big, because now she always has somewhere to be. And you see in the reputation documentary where she's talking about how much um, her life is scheduled and has been scheduled for years on this rotation of recording and touring. And so I think at that point in time, she's also reflecting on like before my life became so busy with this career that I wanted and enjoy, but it was just a different time. Yeah. Um, I do recall a good while back, we snuck into the circus. You threw your arms around my neck back when I deserved it and we were happy. What do you think about the fact that she says back when I deserved it? (sighs) Stop. You keep asking me the same questions I'm going to ask you. So I think so. First of all, I think it's a another great image of going. Oh, I just had a thought. Okay, I won't let I won't you you talk. I don't want it to flee. I don't want it to flee either. I just saw it as back when I deserved it as you know how she's talking about later, the voices that are telling you that this relationship, you don't want to be in it anymore. Mm -hmm. She feels guilty and she knows that she doesn't deserve that love anymore if she's not feeling it. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think back when I deserved it is definitely saying like, when we were in Yeah, when we were in love, I felt like I deserved your arms around my neck, but I don't anymore. And it I do think it's an interesting image saying you threw your arms around my neck. Because usually it's when you think of it, you think of a girl throwing her arms around a male's neck. I don't know. It's just it's weird image for me to think about. But well, Taylor's pretty tall, so she is. <laughs> Maybe she is. you know, whoever she's dating was, you know, slow dancing with their arms around her neck. And they snuck into a circus, and I just think it's interesting because why would you sneak into a circus? Because the reason you would go to a circus would is to see the show. But when you're sneaking in, obviously the show is not going on. Right. She loves talking about sneaking into things. Yeah, that comes up a lot. Do you think this really happened, or do you think this is just a story? I I think that these emotions are real, but she's putting them, she's narrating them in a different type of way. Like, I don't know if she actually snuck into a circus. Maybe, like, they went to, like, a graveyard or... Something, yeah. A pool or someplace, but it wasn't necessarily that, and she just made it into something more poetic. Or it's just that, that moment in time that she's reflecting on when they were still happy. And that's one of the moments she can specifically vision that they were happy. So random and specific though. I wonder if it actually happened. Yeah, it is random. So then you got into the chorus and it's when it was good, baby, it was good, baby. Oh, that just makes me melt the use of the same word, but the way that it flows. Oh, it's just so good. Yeah, I do. I really like the sentiment of this song and It makes me think of happiness, and I love the song Happiness so much for the emotional maturity to recognize that although you don't want to be with that person anymore or you're not happy now, that you can still appreciate the relationship for what it was when it was, and um, I think this song, it's remarkable to see that even at that point in time, like we keep saying, she had that much perspective to think that, but she just has such a way of capturing that feeling. But I see that in relationships that I didn't see that in high school, really, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. in college. And then afterwards, after my college relationships, thinking back on like, yeah, I really loved that person. And it was good and we were happy. It wasn't always good. But when it was, it was wonderful, and we were really in love. Yeah, and when you think, and that's why I think it goes back to that sneaking into the circus. When you think back on that relationship, you can usually pinpoint like one specific memory that you can laugh about, or that was like so important to you at that moment, because you can't remember the day to days of that relationship. It ended. You don't have those feelings anymore. You were happy, but you can remember a specific event that happened with that person. The way the human memory works is actually remember 
the worst things and the best things. So like they've done those experiments where they'll play someone a song in it or just an audio clip and it has a really high-pitched frequency at the beginning or um, it has something really painful sounding and people will remember that. But actually, if the song ends with something pleasant sounding or the audio ends with something pleasant sounding, they're more likely to still rate it positively. Okay. And I feel like that has to say something about the human's desire to focus on positive even when some things were bad. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's that's a given. Most people are just the way the brain works though. Like yeah. from a clinical perspective. Yeah. I and mean neither memory. one of us are gonna pretend to be scientists, but you've read this study, so I believe you. Well, I'm married to someone with a psychology degree. So there we go. I hear a lot about these things. So when it was good baby, it was good baby. I just had to repeat that again. We showed them all up. No one could touch the way we laughed in the dark. I That's my favorite line. <laughs> really? Why? Because I so and I like this is not going to get weird, but when my husband and I are in bed at night, it's not getting weird. Mhm. Where's this going? <laughs> <laughs> I just have the best I don't even want to say memories, but like the most fun times when we're slap happy and we're just giggling and usually it's me annoying him imagine that <laughs> like how i do to you and just like keeping him up or something and he's like please stop and it's just so fun and it also makes me think of all too well which obviously is one of my favorites because you know it's everyone's fan favorite but dancing around the kitchen in the refrigerator light i love the images of late night silly fun and this is such a good depiction of a loving relationship where there's also a really kindred friendship. Yes, I, I completely agree with you. It's a great line. We showed them all up is also a great line. Like you, they. People they, wanted what we wanted or what we had. Yeah, but I don't even know if if when you say we showed them all up, if you even could say that people thought you wanted they wanted what you had. It was more like you were so confident in what you had that you knew that everyone wanted what you had. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like in reality, maybe no one cares. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but because you were on cloud nine, you were like, of course, this is what love is supposed to be like. And everyone wants to have what we have. Um, Talking about your daddy's farm, we were going to buy someday and we were happy. So they were planning a future together. When you're planning a future together, it's, you know, like we said, you're in a relationship. You you, you aren't in that relationship without an end thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes me think of that relationship I was talking about, my long-term college one, which was like three years. But all mine are long-term, as we discovered, except for like one. Um, <laughs> but just I remember talking about you know, if we would have kids and what type of house would we buy and all of that kind of stuff. I really just want to know if this is real and if they really talked about that. And I don't care to know that. I know you don't. But and I do love the blurred lines. And that's part of why I'm not part of that. The nuance and the layers and the levels to folklore and evermore are what make them so far superior. And I do love that, but at the same time, like, the fact versus fiction blur, like, I just, I'm really fascinated by it. And that, and that's fair, but I I think I have have an understanding that she's not writing just, like, even if she's writing fiction, there's always some truth behind fiction. So I know that she's had these feelings before, and so it, I'm, I'm comfortable with just le leaving it at that. All right, well. You're more emotionally mature. It's fair. You're older. You may be the only person that says that in my life. <laughs> Surely not. So we used to watch the sun go down on the boats in the water. That's sort of how I feel right now. And goodbyes so much harder because we were happy. God, they're just such killer lines. Like, I just want to cry at every single line in this song. We used to watch the sun go down on the boats in the water. So obviously, you're sitting in a boat, you're watching the sunset. That's romantic. But she's saying that's how she feels right now. So 
she's she's looking at it on the flip of saying, I see the sunset, the sun going down on our relationship. But I can appreciate it for what it was, and I still see the beauty. Yes, but it's ending, and that's how she feels, and that just is so heartbreaking. Yeah, and this is also a song about grieving in a way, but it's like further in the grieving spectrum closer to acceptance, you know, like, yeah, you know, you've accepted this, this relationship is over, but you're still grieving it and you're still sad for it. Like, you still want to be in that time kind of, but you know that you also know it's time to move on. Like how we know we should be moving on from folklore and evermore. <laughs> you mean it's time to go? It's time to go, but we're not fully. Yeah, she told us it's time to go, y'all. But we're not fully there yet. And I'm I'm still want to live in those time periods. But yeah, it's just, it's uh, really insightful. So I just have to say it. It's the second, it's the chorus again, but when it was good, baby, it was good, baby. What do you think about the fact that she says, taking it back a little bit, that's sort of how. I just think it's, it's conversationalist. I it think it feels very like colloquial. Yeah. Like yes. Colloquial. Like, I think she just is saying that's sort of how I feel right now. Like, and I, I like that. I like that she just says, not, that's exactly how I feel right now. Right. It feels like a conversation. Yeah. I do think that's very intentional. And it struck me as like, oh, wow. She said sort of. Yeah. Like, no, she didn't even say sort of. She said sort of. Yeah. It's not even like with of. It's just sort of. And goodbye so much harder because we were happy. Did, did we talk about that? No, not yet. Because I was still engulfed in the. In the chorus. Yeah, sorry, because I really love when it was good, baby. It was good, baby. But that's not my favorite line either. We haven't got to my favorite line yet. Don't worry. Yeah, and go- goodbye so much harder because we were happy. I mean, I think it's everything that we just talked about. Like, it's painful because you know that there was good there. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, that's pretty self-explanatory. So moving on to the next chorus, it's the same. Mm-hmm. The bridge. This is where my favorite line is. Oh, I hate those voices telling me I'm not in love anymore, but they don't give me choices. I love that. The voices don't give me choices. And that's what these tears are for, because we were happy. We were happy. Yeah, it's a really good line. I My my favorite line was, um, I hate, did I already say it? You did, Erin, you did. Are you losing it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, oh, we laughed in the dark. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I was like, instantly forgot. It was terrible. I told you I don't have a very good memory. Um, but I hate those voices telling me I'm not in love anymore, I think is probably my second favorite. And the rhyming, obviously, with voices and choices. And I mean, just you you know that. You know that voice. You've had that voice. Everyone's had that voice of telling you, like, you're this is not working anymore. You're not in love anymore. And as much as you try to pretend that that's not the case it's they're not giving you choices because they're not leaving you alone and that's why she's crying it's not because she's losing him it's because she doesn't want to lose him but she has to because her voices are not giving her choices yeah your inner voice and your gut feeling of knowing you need to move on yeah and she's doing the thing again where the bridge is like the gut punch yes and it was building because the second verse she says, we used to watch the sun go down. You know, she's like painting that picture and reflecting. And then the bridge is getting to that moment of realization and acceptance. Yeah. Oh, gut punch. There are so many gut punches in this song. That's why I love it. And then we're at the chorus, but we find out that they were going to get married. Yeah. It makes me think it's probably that same relationship like the person that they always talked about that they were going to get married someday and there's a lot of like i mean once again there's a lot of evermore in here because it's not only the like when it's time to go but it's also champagne problems like that's what Ugh. these emotions are yeah yeah oh okay so are we ready to rate the song yeah we've been going in the pattern of you going first so let's just keep that up all right, so you're not going to like it probably as much as <laughs> you're not going to like it. That's okay. That's why we're here. But once again, I think that the newer stuff, I just need to get to know more. And that's fair. I have to like develop say that a, a lot. friendship. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> that's why it was weird for me with Mr. Perfectly Fine because I felt like I already knew that song. Like it sounded like 
a Taylor era. And this one does, but it's also ambiguous. And I I do really enjoy the song, but I think it's one that is going to be... A slow burn? It's a grower, not a shower. <laughs> <laughs> it's a slow burn. That's a better way to put it, yeah. I guess. Uh, um, okay, so then how do you rate it? Music and sound, I gave it a six. Um, and that's just based on like my feelings while listening to it, not the actual production, because it's obviously phenomenal. The emotional connection, a five, and the lyrical quality, a seven. So it comes to be about a six out of ten, which is higher than my rate rating for Love Story. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay, so would you, but you wouldn't replace Love Story with this song? I mean, give it a couple months and maybe like i don't know love story is so good obviously but i mean why do you keep doing this to me (laughs) because i think it's interesting casually cruel (laughs) in the name of being honest (laughs) yes and i'm a crumpled up piece of paper (laughs) lying on the floor exactly because i can't make these choices well i'm making you make these choices the little voices (laughs) oh man well i am giving it 8.5 sunsets oh i didn't do a um a thing from the song well you can't steal mine (laughs) what was your sunsets yes i literally said it two seconds ago (laughs) i'm just stalling for time (laughs) i'm gonna give it six out of ten daddy's farms oh daddy's farm there we go honey (laughs) take me to daddy's farm moving on to the next segment tell me why theories i'm gonna let you start this one off aaron all right so the consensus on reddit folks which who knows by the time this comes out we could be like four theories into the future by then (laughs) Um, but the consensus on reddit is that the release order will be 1989 and predicted to be in early to mid-july along with the release of spirit 2 red in september or october speak now in december because Back, Back to, to December. December. Taylor Swift's debut in like February or March of 2022. And then Reputation probably wouldn't be able to come out until 2023 because she can't legally begin re-recording until five years after the commercial release. Oh, I did not know that. So that would be November of 2022. So if she starts re-recording in November, then it wouldn't come out until 2023, right? Right. I mean, it would be really interesting, though. Um, It's going to be really interesting how she does Reputation. I cannot wait for those vault songs. You think there are some? Or do you think that she's kind of gotten to the point that she just puts them all on our albums now? Oh, no. Don't say, do you think there are some? You just crushed my hopes and dreams. I'm doing that a lot today, aren't I? Oh, gosh. I think as long as she was with that label, there probably are some. And I guess I've just accepted that there are because I keep seeing theories that there will be 27, like 26 songs and a remix on each album. What, What is that theory based on? I don't know. So just someone's hunch? Based on perhaps they know a lot of the unreleased songs. Oh, okay. And they're maybe counting them out and figuring it out. Okay. Well, then, if that's true, then I'll go with it. But I don't know. I'm giving them a little more credit. But it seems like it's plausible. I need facts to back up these theories. I need facts and figures. <laughs> um. Then I just have a question for the listeners, and if you know the answer, please let us know. But um, have you all, speaking directly to you, to the audience, have you all noticed references to floating? Um, Because she had an Instagram caption, and then the Taylor Swift official website had a reference to floating, and then I think Taylor Nation also did. And so (laughs) three times it's not a coincidence. That has to be intentional. So, I mean, there's a reference to floating in Speak Now. So do we think it's a hint for that or we don't know? Morgan, do you have any thoughts? I have no idea. You're, you're th- springing this on do me. Do you have any thoughts, Morgan? Any at all? None on floating. <laughs> all right. Well, that's fine. Please let us know if you have any thoughts. And then Claire, who is at Jack Leopards on Twitter, says that the the crest or the symbol on the vault um, or just she didn't say it. it's not like a theory, I guess. It's just 
a through line, if you notice that that symbol, the crest that was on the vault in the teaser, that was the decoding thing that was supposed to be expert level, but that Swifties cracked in like 13 minutes. That is also in a picture from when Ever- Evermore was released, where she's sitting on the couch and it's in the back. It's on a table next to her in a frame. There's a picture of that symbol. And then it's also on the back of her phone case in the You Need to Calm Down music video. And if you haven't seen it, then you should Google it. But it's basically a snake on the left side, a butterfly wing on the right side, which, you know, would be reputation lover, like her growth in that area. And then the Roman numeral 13 at the top, which, duh. And then three cats in the middle. Which also, duh. But could that be trilogy? If there's a big gap in between uh, the release of debut in february or march of 2022 and reputation to be in 2023 like she can't start working on it between february and november then do you think she would take a break or do you think that she would that there's actually a trilogy and there's a third album i don't know i i don't think i can go down this hole right now she would just crush the charts I mean, obviously, she's still crushing the charts when she re-released an album that was released 13 years ago. Yeah, it's incredible. All right, so Taylor Taylor Trivia. Trivia. So I am going to ask you some questions, Erin, since last episode you asked me some questions. I'm going to branch out and ask a few different ones, even though I'm sure people are wondering what your answers to those questions were. They'll never know. So first... Besides All Too Well, what's your favorite track five? My Tears Ricochet. Okay. What do you think is the most underrated song? Seven. And what's your favorite three to four song stretch on all of her albums? Oh, like just... Like three songs, three to four songs in a row. That's really hard. Like right now or in general? I'd say in general. I think it's got to be off Evermore right now because I'm not fully out of that time period yet like we were just talking about. Let me see here. That stretch would be, let me just scroll through it. No, I'm changing my answer. It's not Evermore. Okay, just like the whole folklore album, honestly. No, you <laughs> like, have to answer my question. Okay, three to four song stretch. My Tears Ricochet, Mirror Ball 7. Interesting, okay. I don't know. That's so hard. But any three to four stretch on folklore. Yeah, really? Can I tell you what mine would be? Mine is on Evermore right now. Okay, Morgan, this is not your Okay, Taylor sorry, trivia. then you can ask me next time. Just keep this for next keep time. Keep on suspense. Doo-doo, what will she say? All right, well, that about wraps it up. We're going to go into We'll Write Your Name, which is our plug section. I just wanted to take a second to highlight and bring your attention to another new podcast, which is called The Gen Z Go-Getters. And you can find them on... TikTok, Instagram, basically, (laughs) 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 she's having an attack over here. (laughs) No, this is for sure getting cut out. Oh, there was an incident. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I think we're laughing in the dark. We're getting slap happy. Okay, they'll never know what happened. I'm going to cut out that part. Um, Some of it's kind of funny. Anyways, go on. (laughs) (laughs) The Gen Z Go-Getters podcast. They're um, four young Indian American women. Or I say young women because they're like... Gen Zers? Yeah, Gen Zers. (laughs) They are all entrepreneurs. And it's so cool because... I listened to their first to their um, like intro episode and their first episode and was immediately so impressed and so inspired. So, for example, 
one of them has an NGO, which is to promote sustainable fashion. That was hard to say. And another one of them has an NGO to raise awareness about sex trafficking. All of them have projects and they're all really talented and passionate about entrepreneurship and uplifting uh, women and speaking about brown culture and all kinds of world issues, pop culture. I mean, the podcast is really good, so you all should check it out. I just wanted to highlight them for a second. Lastly, um, just a reminder to rate and review our podcast. Follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Swifterhood Podcast. And you can also send theories, questions, comments, complaints to Swifterhood Podcast. Hopefully not complaints. At gmail.com. That's right. Thank you for tuning in. We love you forever and always. Bye. (laughs) Say bye for me. Bye.